Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody on this beautiful spring day. Uh, you know, it's funny, you, you look at something all week long and prepare for it and plan and everything, and it's not till you're up here live. I, I leaned over in the first service and I said, Jerry, we look just like the couple in the video. And I mean, we're sitting here just like them. So I said, you're the girl. And he's still trying to convince me that he's not. My shirt's on top. The guy's shirt was on top. No, yeah. Okay. So anyway, you you just heard a video introducing you, obviously, you now know, to a a ministry called Married People. And I have uh, Jerry Allen Witt. Uh, Jerry, Jerry's motto in life is, I have one life and three names. I plan on using them all. all so all uh, if you ever call his cell phone or anything, it's Jerry Allen Witt, Jerry Allen Witt. So a- anyway, Jerry Allen Witt is yeah. our next generation pastor. And I have him up here with me just for a few minutes this morning uh, because of the video you just saw. Now, Jerry, you're the, you're the one who kind of discovered married people, this ministry, what they do, and yeah. obviously saw that and said, man, that's, that's what we need at the Heights. Tell us a little yeah. bit why. Well, I like it for a lot of reasons. One reason is, it's, uh, since I've been here for the last 15 years, we've never had a, a married couple strategy in our church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've always did, you know, family series like you're doing right now. Which and, are excellent, of course. Which are awesome, incredible, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. But you only do them like It's once, what you were going to say. Yes, I was. <laughs> but you only do them like every year and a half, maybe two yeah, years, you'll like do that. them. Yeah. So probably not enough for a married couple, I wouldn't think, okay? And then we also we have life group. We have stuff we did for married couples in there occasionally, but no long-term strategy. So one right. thing is really attracted uh, means this ministry is a long-term strategy for married people, something that happens every month, uh, either through an email or a large group or small group experience. Uh, so I love that part of it. So we give a, couples a roadmap to travel in their marriage to hopefully help you avoid crises in your marriage. So that's one thing. Second thing, I just think that as a church, we're in a unique position in our culture where we intersect the lives of married people, and I think that we can be of great benefit there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, healthier families and healthier couples and marriages uh, means a healthier church, a healthier community, and a healthier world. And uh, so I think those are very, very important things that we need to speak life into. Uh, so those are some of the things that attracted me to the strategy and why I wanted to bring it here for us as well. Okay. Okay. Now, the, the, the video we just watched, you and I have watched it a lot. Yes. We know the ministry, so all mm-hmm. that stuff makes sense. They just heard it for the first time, and there was really a lot thrown at them, especially right. when they started putting the calendar up yeah, there. They, they mentioned two things, small group and large group experience. Would you explain what sure. that is and, and how they would do something like that here? Yeah, our small group experience for married people, it's just what it says, a small group experience is a five-week study uh, that our life groups are going to kind of take under their wings and run with. Some life groups are actually beginning one of the studies today, uh, but May 1st, every life group will do one of the studies uh, in our small group study. Once again, there's five of them, and then... um, after they do that, we're hoping that life groups develop uh, growth groups, which are small groups that's inside of a life group that break out uh, on their own in smaller groups. Uh, they don't meet on Sunday morning generally. They meet sometime during the week, and we're hoping and praying that they'll get through one of the, the five, well, I guess the, the small groups, which is five weeks on their own. Okay. And so that's the so small group. If I could reiterate before you go on to large groups, yes. May 1st. May 1st. Whether somebody's in a life group or not, they could go into a life group on May 1st and kind of see, for lack of a better word, a picture of what a small group would look like. Absolutely. Actually, we you'll, encourage you'll just, you to do that. You yeah. just get to watch and see what takes place in a small group time. Absolutely. And we encourage okay. you to either involved in a life group or not, just check one out that day uh, to see what the small group curriculum looks like. It's fun. It's engaging. Uh, you learn stuff with it as well. So, yeah, so May 1st, man, I encourage you to go into a life group, check it out, see what you think of it, okay. and actually give us feedback too, right? Yeah. I like that as well. And so then we have like the large group experience, which is called uh, night out events. It's not a, a day 
date night for say where you and your husband go out on a date outside the church, but it's actually a, an event we're doing here at the church as a large group event. And how it'll be set up will be we'll have tables in this area uh, set up, and we'll have couples around the tables, and we'll have some table discussion going on. We'll have some stage. Uh, games and different things going on as well that help couples engage with one another. Uh, and we'll do that four times a year. And we'll practice, I mean, each large group experience will focus on one of the four core values they have in married people. And the one we're going to focus on, our very first one, is May 21st, is uh, having fun as a couple. And so it's going to be a fun, engaging night. Uh, you'll enjoy being, we have child care provider for you, so there's no reason not to be here for it. So we encourage you to be part of that, and uh, you enjoy it. And I always want to tell people every service that it's a guy-friendly event uh, for you to be part of. And so it's not, we're not going to be dumping into our emotions and stuff and, and crying. Oh, good. Uh, so I encourage you to come. So we're doing, it's going to be a great event, fun event. Four times a year we'll do that. Okay, and so, so that's May 21st. May 1 and May 21. Yes, exactly. May 1 two, small two, group. Yeah. And May 21st large group. Okay, and then the other thing, and I, I say this different every service, easing, e-zine. Yeah, e, yeah, e, e, yeah, easing. What is that? I'm well, guessing I want one. Yes, or it's, a, want it's it? a monthly email that we'll send out okay. beginning actually the 1st of May. We'll send those out to married couples in our church. And that first group of emails will go out for those who registered for the large group experience. We'll capture email that way. And then if you want to get it on a monthly basis, uh, go in your life group. You can sign up for it that way. We probably should work on another way you get it as well, which reminded me the last service yeah. about. But you can get it those two ways initially uh, for sure. But the easiest is just a monthly email. Once again, it's where our church can resource a family or a couple on a monthly basis. And an easy, we'll have, uh, you know, marriage advice. We'll have some helpful blogs. Do you think you as a family? Just once again, remind couples uh, they need to invest in their family on a regular basis, and it's a one easy way for us to send out just a, a monthly email and say, hey, so here's something you do. They were using the phrase touch points. Yes. But what those 21, 33, t- small, simple ways that encourage your marriage. Absolutely. Would that be a way? Absolutely. This is yeah. the first service we said that. I, I guess we do get better each one. We do. Huh? Yeah. yeah. If we had like nine services, so we'd be something, wouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's, um, let's, let's pan out for married people just for a second since I have yeah. you up here. You're, you're, you're our next generation pastor. You're, Which is the coolest name on staff, by the way, Pastor. Yeah, Kendall, next it's the generation. coolest thing because nobody knows what it means, know, but that's, so another, like that's another thing. So you're, you're, I guess maybe your job description in a sentence would be make our families better. Yeah, help absolutely. us as a church help our families be better, be stronger, whatever. So what are we doing here that, that accomplishes that, that, that helps people with that? Well, a great question. And actually, we do a lot of things. And as you mentioned, it's a new ministry here in our church. And so we're actually kind of doing some trailblazing ministry here for us where we're trying to do a bunch of different stuff. But part of my job is a resource ministry uh, for families. And we try to be very proactive in getting resources out to families in your home that you can use on a, on a regular basis. Uh, and we do that a lot of different ways. Uh, I'll mention well, three of my guests. One way is that we have this uh, DIY family resource centers, and those are located outside the preschool, children, and youth departments. And on those resource centers, there's a bunch of uh, curriculum material that, that are designed for parents to take home and use with their kids at home. Uh, it's like service project ideas you can do, just helpful things as, you know, dealing with kids in crisis or, or whatever. But there's a, a lot of information on it. Also, on each of those tables, uh, they'll have the, that week's um, 
uh, lesson that the kids are learning, so parents take the home and read about that as well. So that's the DIY Family Resource Center. It's one way we resource parents. Another way we do that is through, uh, through the thing called a parent queue, uh, which is for our preschool and children's department. And it's an app for your phone, which is phenomenal. It yeah. has all the curriculum that our children do uh, in the church on every Sunday morning throughout the course of the year. So it has some videos. It has uh, helpful suggestions at home, like bedtime stories you can tell. We want the families to kind of well, we like to partner with families in their homes. And, you know, we're teaching this at church right now. You can do this at home. Matter of fact, it's like the number one resource me and my wife use for our kids on a weekly basis. It has videos on it. Uh, you can download it on your phone, and you can anytime, anywhere. And it's a bunch of stuff on there to help resource families in their home. Here's how you do it. Because you know, I, I think sometimes, I think we all want to be godly parents. We all want to raise our kids uh, uh, loving Jesus. But I think a lot of times maybe we came from families that that didn't happen, and we don't know how to do it uh, as well. So we really want to say we're going to do all we can are in the resource you that help you grow in that area with your family. So we noticed, you know, as a student pastor for so many years, uh, what I noticed a lot about students who really clung to their faith after they graduated from high school uh, was uh, that they had really strong families at home that really uh, encouraged their faith and talked about their faith and, uh, and was a regular part of their family lives. And so that's another resource we offer for them. And also, I sent out a, a weekly email myself as well to parents. Parent queue. Yeah, it's called I, the Parent Queue. I, I get that. Uh, a weekly email to parents that actually has that week's lesson your kids learn. It has a, uh, usually a blog post on it that uh, helpful for families as well. And then I'll have a note on it, maybe tell you what's coming up or maybe a resource you want to check out. So that's a large part of my job is resourcing families and parents. And then that's one chunk. Another chunk is actually pulling our middle school, I mean our high school and our middle school and Children and youth ministries uh, department, all these departments set on the same page, reaching families. And so we're trying to Probably break down the walls. A lot of times we have a silo ministry. I don't know what that even means. But a lot of times in churches, traditionally, you know, preschool do their stuff, children do their things, you know, the, the teenagers do their thing, and they never cross paths whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so we thought, you know, what we do, make a strategy where we're all on the same team. We're all trying to reach the family. So a question we ask every time in our meeting during the week, man, whatever you're doing that week in your, in your classes or in a special event, uh, we ask, that's great, awesome thing for the kids at the church. How are we engaging the family at home of what they just learned here. And so we brainstorm a lot of those ideas, and so kind of getting the big team together to okay. really reach out to families. Now, on that right there, engaging the families on what they're learning and everything, mm-hmm. you, we got kind of a neat idea, I guess, for May. Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, those resource tables, mm-hmm. uh, there's one in front of each department. Uh, they've been out for about six months. Yeah. And I would imagine a lot of people are here like me. We walk right by it, don't even realize it's there. But we're going to have an opportunity in the next month to maybe really go into that compartment and engage with what's there, our children, their teachers. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, in the month of May, which is something we've never done before, we're hosting a family month in our various ministries, preschool, children, and youth departments, uh, where we're inviting parents to come in and engage in the program that we do each and every week. So we're inviting parents to come in and sit in on what happens in Awana on a Wednesday night and sit in on what's happening with youth on a Wednesday night. Our Sunday morning life groups are in small groups. Just have parents sit in on those different programs in kids' worship and just see what your kids are learning each and every week. And I've shared the last couple times with you, but it was such a... Uh, good experience for me. I was a student pastor for so many years, and I never one time sat in on our children's program or sat in what preschool did on a weekly basis. And so when I took the new position, I started to sit in this program because I was supposed to help out, right? So I need to know what's going on. And so I sat in, I was just blown away by the quality and the volunteers and the stuff that they're, they're, our kids were learning that helped me put the things together and you know, kind of pulled puzzle pieces together as a parent. Like, okay, when 
I hear this from our children's department notes is talking about. I, I know what this resource is about. And it really helped me be a better parent at home, mm-hmm. understanding what my kids were learning at the church. So we invited parents to come in and join us during the month of May. And I know some parents say, well, my kid doesn't want me to be around them. Well, we're going to encourage you. Uh, <laughs> uh, their kids, your kids will survive. Uh, you gain one of their programs. Come in and join us in the month of May and just yeah. sit in and see what incredible opportunities your kids have at our church and what God's so doing you're, in their So you're lives. inviting these people to miss a life group class or miss a worship service to go sit in your program. With your permission, yes. I don't remember approving that idea. When did well, we I think you did. That? Yes, we did. I, we did. I think that's one of the things I signed something and you said it was... I said it was awesome because it was. Okay, it's a great all right. Idea. But I th- well, I, folks, I think it'll be a neat opportunity to, to take one service, one life group, sometime during the month of May, and go go sit in and learn. I think you'll be be pretty overwhelmed, amazed, yeah. won't you? You know, I heard your sermon in the last couple messages. You know, and one thing you're going to talk about is actually doing stuff. Yeah. And so we can talk all about this. I really want to encourage parents, man, to do some do stuff it. we're talking That's to right. about. We, we're giving you some great resources, and I shared with Randy this week, you know, I don't want us ever to be in a position as a church that we did not do all we could to resource a family. And so yeah. if a family drops the ball, it's not because the church didn't come alongside them and try to help them out. We want to be a church where, hey, we are pro-family. We want to support you, encourage you, resource you, do anything we can uh, to help Amen. you as a family. Amen. Thank you. Y'all thank Jerry for being with us this morning up here. You know, one of the th- things I thought was kind of interesting, funny, whatever, about that, that video. I don't know if you picked this up, but they said, you know, the, the goal of our ministry is, is action points, it's small steps. And they kind of said, you know, in contrast to what you're used to when you go to, to church and you get the big information dump. You, they're referring to me, you know that? They're, they're calling me the big information dump. Their ministry is in contrast to mine. And I thought, wait a minute. And then I thought, you know what? I couldn't agree more. You know, think about when, when we come to a, a family series. Hey, there's a sermon series on family. Or maybe I imagine that we've had some in here. Maybe go to a, a marriage seminar or maybe a marriage retreat, something like that. Maybe even something as simple as opening a book. You see, we have, we have all these places we can go and get information. And we're just kind of trained to, hey, give me the information I need. Give me the, 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 the five secrets to communication, the three steps to better sex, the tricks to raising good kids. G- give me the information so I can go home and fix, make better, do whatever. As a matter of fact, you may be even wondering in this series, hey, when do we get to some of those titles? Because this series has kind of taken, have you all thought maybe a little bit different direction? We're not hearing some of the normal stuff we hear in a sermon series on family. But here's my reason why. I actually think that, that five secrets to better communication is awesome and extremely important. But you know what happens with me and I bet what happens with you is we kind of run out of steam, don't we? We read something good, we hear something good, but we run out of steam. And I think a big part of that is we don't really grasp the purpose. Why? Why by God's design are we in a marriage, are we in a family? Why is that important to what's being accomplished, to to what we're doing? And if we don't understand the purpose, then whatever information we get doesn't quite fit we don't know where it goes and so we we lose our steam in that you may be wondering are we going to get to any of those sermons those messages here a little bit more in the next coming weeks as a matter of fact next Sunday's message three words sex prayer talk 
Okay, now if you, if you want to see how all three of those could go in the same title, you have to come back next week and, and hear about that. But folks here, I want to I kind of throw a curveball at you. I believe that what you need for your marriage, for your home, you already know. You already know it and you have already known it. You, you, you learned about it in a sermon series three years ago. You learned about it sitting on the beach last summer reading a book. We know what we need to do. Our, our problem is not a lack of knowledge. Our problem is a lack of action. Our, our, our problem is a lack of doing. Folks, God did not create the home to be this incredibly complex, difficult thing that, you know, good luck to you. Maybe a few of us will be able to navigate it and figure it out. No, he, he made it to be very simple. I didn't say simple as in easy to do, but a simple understanding, a simple path. I believe, now I'm making a statement, I think mostly what I believe about God's word, not necessarily your ability or my ability, but I actually believe I could give you three, four, five verses that would revolutionize your home. Your, your, your marriage, your home, three, four, five. Just do these. And you, you have more than you need to have all the home you ever imagined. But let me give you an example of two verses. Two simple, I'm talking the one sentence kind. Real short, simple verses. How about Ephesians 5.33? See to it, husbands, that you love your wives as yourself. In the same way you protect yourself, care for yourself, in the same way that you're constantly thinking about what do I need, what do I want, what would make me happy, what am I expecting. In the same way that you're constantly thinking about yourself in that way, now think about her that way. What does she want? What does she think? What protects her? What provides for her? Love her like you love yourself. And wives, respect. Respect your husband. That's a, that's a very short sentence right there. Husbands, love your wives like you love yourselves and, and, and wives respect your husband. Do that. Or, or how about this one verse for the whole family? Grandparents down to grandchildren and all the way back up the chain. How, how about Ephesians 4.32? Be kind to one another. There's a novel idea, huh? I mean, just actually be kind to the people in your home. Not just when you're on vacation and everybody's getting along, but like be kind as a very purposeful, intentional, disciplined way to live every single day. Work at kindness in everything you do. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Have a soft spot in your heart for the people in your home. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. You know, what I, you know what I love about that last phrase, as God in Christ has forgiven you? Do you realize, wow, the scripture might call us to some things. We think, man, I don't know if I can do that. Man, that seems hard. That, that seems unfair. Do you realize the scripture is not calling you to do one thing that God hasn't done for you? There's not one thing you're going to have to do in your home that God has not already done for you. So there, there's two verses. You say, well, that doesn't answer every question. Take those two things and just do them. And folks, I, I just all but, I, no, I think I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you'll have family, you'll have friends that'll walk up and say, how do you have what you have in your home? That, that's just two. 
Do those. Now, yes, it helps to get some information, doesn't it? I mean, we could kind of step back from those two verses and we could kind of unwrap. Okay, what does it mean by love, respect, forgive? Yeah, it would help to hear that and it helps to hear it more than once because every now and then we need to be a little bit more remotivated. But, but folks, is that really our problem in our home that I just don't have a clue what being kind means? Oh, I'd forgive. I'd love to forgive. I just don't know what it is. No, that, that's not our problem. Our problem is, that we don't, is not that we don't know. Our problem is we won't do it. Well, I say we won't do it. I, I would imagine a lot of us could come back and say, I, I, too, I have too. I have too done that. Now, what we're really saying is, I did that once. <laughs> and it might be literally one time. I one time did that. Now, maybe what a lot of us would mean by that is, I did that. You know what? There was, there was three or four weeks after that sermon. There was, there was three or four weeks after that book. I really tried to do some of those things. Why did we stop? Because we weren't getting the desired result. And that, that's true of 100% of us in here. It's the way we are. If I put a quarter in the machine, I expect something back, Right? Any activity we do, we have an expectation. And if we keep doing that activity and we don't fulfill the expectation, we stop. That, that's true in everywhere and everything in life. So the pastor says, the book says, the counselor says, you need to do this. And I go home and do it and nobody changes. Nobody acts the way I wanted to. Well, it didn't work. It didn't work. You know, I wonder if God could ever say that about you and me. I wonder if there's ever been a time, a place in your life, in my life, where God loved me, God acted on my behalf, God did something in my life on, on Tuesday. And you know what? When Wednesday rolled around and the next week rolled around, it didn't really produce the desired result God wanted. I didn't, I didn't say thank you. I didn't praise him more. I didn't take that step of faith. I, I didn't grow in obedience. I may not have even acknowledged, because that happens, right? You ever really tried to do the right thing? It wasn't even acknowledged. I wonder if God could say that about us. Now, I won't speak for you. I'll speak for me. I would imagine that God could say, you know, that really didn't produce what I was hoping. I would imagine he could say that about me more times than I could even come close to understanding the count. But does God ever look at me and say, no, I, I, did it once, didn't work. No, he, he loves and he serves and he forgives over and over and over unconditionally. Now, let's kind of back up, remember, kind of come full circle what this series has been about as we've looked at the home. We're learning about what God is like, and the home gives us a place to go and practice that. Okay, so if God doesn't quit on me because he doesn't get the desired result, okay, that's something I've learned about God and my home. Now, ultimately, I've got to do this everywhere with all people, but the home is a primary place, a primary instrument, a primary set of relationships where I really practice at, at being and doing what God has called regardless of desired results. I think that's hard. Because <laughs> again, I put a quarter in, I expect something back. But I'm trying to be like God, not just get something I want in the moment. So folks, our, our, our problem is not that God's word doesn't really work. Our problem is we don't do it. And this is, a, this is a huge thing 
in Scripture. This whole concept of information and hearing, but not actually getting around to doing. As a matter of fact, there's a, a sermon in the New Testament, Matthew 5 through 7. Some of you may have heard it. You know it's referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And, and so Jesus is, I'm guessing on, you know, imagine these people on a hillside. He's speaking to probably thousands of people. And it is a long sermon like you never heard. I promise you, I wouldn't even come close. He, you open this sermon, you think, my gosh, my gosh, Jesus, pick a topic. He discusses everything in one sermon. He talks about marriage. He talks about divorce. He talks about happiness. You want to be happy? He talks about happiness. He talks about money. He talks about faith. He talks about fasting. He talks about prayer. He talks about judging others. He talks about religion. I mean, he covers everything in one sermon. I mean, you think, I mean, surely I get some kind of credit for this in heaven. I've just sat through the longest sermon ever. Right? And listen to how Jesus finishes the sermon. Now, it takes a long time to read this sermon. Okay, I mean, it did take you 5, 10, 15 minutes. I would imagine as, as he's actually talking it out and probably more words than we even have here, my guess is they're on that hillside for two or three hours. Two or three hours they've been listening to Jesus preach on all these topics and he finally comes to the end. Have you ever said that when the preacher? Finally at the end. Okay, Listen to what he says. This is how he wraps his sermon up. Matthew 7, 24. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine. Well, we've sure done that for the last three hours. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. Two activities. Hearing and then doing. When you both hear and do, Jesus says, you will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. When you hear and and you do, Jesus says, you're in the category, you're in the status of really smart people. You're, you're a wise person. And the result of that is your house is firm. It's on the rock. He describes it this way. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. I mean, who in here doesn't want that? Man, storms are coming. I want a life that can endure the storms. I want a home that can endure the storms. And Jesus, hey, wisdom will get you there. Well, how do I become wise? You hear and you do. But now that's not the only thing we do, right? Hear and do. No, there's, there's, there's other option. Verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them. We hear, but we don't do. Now, folks, do you realize how big that statement is? I mean, it's, on one hand, you could say, yeah, 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 I know. I mean, her, I'm supposed to do it, right? Do you realize how big of an issue this is? How many messages, sermons have you heard and did absolutely nothing with? I'm guessing for me, I'm guessing it would be three out of four minimum. That's probably me thinking pretty highly of myself, actually. I would say there's probably, for every four sermons I've heard, I'll go ahead and throw in the word preached. I, I, okay, three out of four, I've done, I didn't act on it. I didn't do anything with that. Do, do you realize how, we're, this is just almost our mode of life. I, you know, I come to church, I listen, and we go on, and nothing changes. Listen to what Jesus says about that. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. Okay, so if I'm in the habit where basically three out of four messages don't even register, Jesus is that you're a fool. 
hey, Jesus, that's not very nice. You know, I, I don't know about you. I kind of, is there like another option? Is there a word between wise and fool that you could call me? It just seems like I, I, I don't want to be a fool. I'm not, that's not fair. Is there something in between? When you're in the practice of hearing and not acting, you're a fool. And there's a consequence. There's a result for that. You end up building a life. You end up building a house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. And maybe that's why sometimes our lives in here don't look like we're handling life out there any better than somebody who doesn't come to church. Because we listen, but we don't do. I mean, I want some kind of credit for having listened to Jesus speak for three hours. But I'm pretty sure he said, eh, zero credit if all we're doing is listening. That had to be, those words had to be what James was thinking about when he wrote that one verse in his letter, kind of tucked in near the end of the New Testament. James one twenty two. he said very simply, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Listening to this, deceiving yourselves. If you hear, but you don't do, you're deceiving yourself. Now, I thought about that. Why am I? Okay, so I'm a fool. So you're saying I'm not being obedient. But why am I deceiving myself? What's the deception? And all of a sudden, it dawned on me. And would you believe it was actually marriage that made me think about it? Marriage counseling. You know, a lot of times when when, when a couple comes to get counseling with a, a counselor or a pastor, normally they're walking into the office at stage four. They're not coming in at a time when they've still got some energy and love. They're basically coming in to say, we did something, okay, before they bagged the thing. And so they come in and they're describing, of course, how awful the other person is, how awful their situation is. And, and so I know I ask, and a lot of, well, well, what, okay, it's a bad problem. It's a mess. What have you done to try to do? I mean, you're getting ready to quit. So, I mean, I like to know, what of all the things you've done that have failed and therefore led you to the place of there's just no option left but to, to quit? And do you know, oh, I was going to say 100% of the time, they've done nothing. Not one thing have they done to fix that marriage. Now, that's not how they'll answer the question. You know what they'll, they'll answer with? They'll answer with what they've heard. Oh, I went, I went, I went to a, a counseling session and, and we listened to that counselor. I, again, I read a book or, or, well, we knew you were doing that series. And so we said, what are they describing as their activity? They're describing their listening. They're describing, they're, they're not describing anything they've done. They're describing what they've heard. That's the deception. I think I've actually fixed something. I've actually done something because I've heard something. You know, we do, I mean, Set family and marriage aside, isn't that kind of what part of what is happening when we go to church? I go up there, I sit, I listen, I endure, and I feel a little better about myself. So, you know, things are probably a little better between me and God. I'm not going to change anything. I'm not going to do anything about what I heard today, but I sat there and listened. I mean, that ought to be, I mean, some credit, right? What Jesus say? And no credit. You hear and you do, or you're just playing a game. You're, you're, you're just deceiving yourselves. One verse. Pick one. I just think of where I've traveled. I started off saying five. I just gave you two. And now I'm saying just pick one. For your own life. 
for your own happiness and well-being, for you, for your mate, a, a grandchild, a grandparent, your parent, a sibling, pick one verse and say, I am going to give myself wholly to, to, to praying on this verse, to asking people to pray for me about this verse, to understanding this verse, to trying to work on this verse, and I am going to work it until this verse owns me. I am going to work it until I am the embodiment of this one verse. You know the incredible thing? I mean, if you're like me, I need more than one verse. Because <laughs> I got more than one issue, right? You know what, folks? I really believe you give yourself to God's word like that, one verse, you'll be overwhelmed with the grace and the patience he has with you on all the other verses you need to get to. On all the other issues you have floating around. And I really believe, I won't put a guarantee on this, I really believe that when your home sees you working, on that one verse, I believe God will enable them to have grace and patience with some of maybe the other things that we need to get to. Now, what have we been saying? Okay, my goal is to learn about God, to become like God. God's given me a home as a, a place to practice that and, and really work on that. Well, what do we learn today? God acts. That's what we've learned. God acts. He acts in truth and he acts in love. When he's got a problem with you, he acts. He acts in truth and he acts in love. When we've got a problem with him, God moves to act in truth and love. Now, what do we do when we've got a problem with each other? We've got a problem with God. You know what we do with God's word? We complain. We complain. We question. We debate. God didn't know my situation when he said that. Well, I don't even know if that, you know, that's, that's, that's old-fashioned. That's kind of, don't we even call this the antiquities? That's a long time ago. That won't work for today. That won't work for, so we just debate and complain. God's got a problem with you. He doesn't debate. He doesn't complain. He doesn't ask questions. He acts. He acts in love and he acts in truth. Now, if, if I'm acting, okay, if I'm trying to act on what I've learned, think about how important now a home is to this. Let's take last Sunday. Okay, so last Sunday we came in here and we heard like, oh my gosh, what? The most stereotypical message you hear in church. Be loving, right? I mean, you, you go to church, you expect to be told, be loving. Okay, and so I've got these people in my life who know me and, and you know, some of them think I'm really super loving and others less than that, right? And, and then you got those that are kind of, in, you know, on a spectrum here. And so, you know, they think, you know, they'll rank me as whether I'm loving or not. Now, what most people in the world don't know on Monday morning is that on Sunday, I heard a message on being loving. They don't know I heard that message. So when I go to school on Monday morning or I go to work on Monday morning, you know, again, they may have a view of me, but they don't know I'm not doing anything about that. My inactivity doesn't stand out to them. Does that make sense? They don't know I'm not doing anything with the message from Sunday about loving. But you know who does know? My family. My family knows I heard a message yesterday about being loving. They know that. They know whether I'm acting on that, working on that, praying about. They know whether that's happening in my. The world doesn't know. They might have an opinion on whether I'm a loving person. But they don't know if I'm working on it or not all the time. But my inactivity is glaring at home. 
You know, folks, we, we mention it in here from time to time. It's a big part of what, what Jerry's doing, what you've heard today. I mean, a massive conversation across the church in America today is just the wholesale way we are losing the next generation. I mean, I mean, I mean just we couldn't, have a, we couldn't make a door big enough to let them all out. And of course, why? Well, and I'm not going to suggest here's the one reason. I think there's a variety of things that go on. But I started thinking about that here and do and don't deceive yourself. And I know, I know in my life it's true. I, you know, come to church, I hear the message, go home, nothing's different. Well, as kids are growing up, five years, ten years, fifteen years, and they're watching us go to church and hear, well, they hear it too, right? And maybe they don't ever see it get translated into anything are we talk I mean I know what we heard today but we don't talk about it in the car we don't pray about it we don't say you know hey here's how I'm trying to work on this and I wonder if maybe after 15 18 21 years of that they say hey you know what this going to church thing totally irrelevant I don't need to go sit in a building to tell myself I'm okay with God what's the point I've watched this for 20 years. We just go up there and hear something. We're not going to do anything with it. I mean, I just can't help but wonder, is that why so many are saying, what's the point? We just hear. I can stay home and hear. This hearing and acting, it's, it's kind of everything, isn't it? It's kind of everything. Be hearers of the word. Be, excuse me, be doers of the word, not hearers only. One verse. Just do it. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, what would that one verse be for, for each one of us in here? It's not going to be the same. Holy Spirit, I don't know quite how you'll answer this prayer or how you'll guide each of us. I know maybe our, our ability with your word is on different levels, but Lord, what would be the one verse that, that maybe I would work on for the rest of 2016? What's the one verse you would have for me? God, would you guide each one of us into coming up with an answer of what that one verse might be? You know, maybe by the end of this week, Lord. And Lord, I pray that as we genuinely and truly give ourselves to working that verse, I do pray that, that my family, my friends, my church, I pray they'll see. pray they'll see the power of your word. God, could our lives in front of our kids, in front of our friends, in front of our grandparents, could our lives be a testimony, not of how good we are, but could our lives be a testimony of the power of your word when it's lived, not just studied, not just debated, but lived. God, would you give just such an opportunity in my life and in my home. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, you know we need your help. Amen.